1: so what's trending bridging your catholic faith with your everyday life you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio
2: welcome welcome to trending hello my name is brooke taylor in for timory today grateful to be with you on the second day of june of course we are on the eve of first friday and this is the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart. It's the Thursday before Pentecost, so I'm getting my birthday hat on for the birthday of the church. And for those praying the Holy Ghost Novena, today is day seven, and I know there are different versions of the Novena, but or my version that I pray today, it was counsel, to incline our hearts to that which is good, to turn away from all that is evil. And that's what we plead, what we pray in the Pater Noster, deliver us from evil, said libera nos amalo in the Our Father. And the Holy Spirit is key here. So when we think about Pentecost and we think about the role of the Holy Spirit in the Church, in our lives, through time and our salvation, it is in union with the Holy Spirit that we gain these graces, these gifts. Through the Holy Spirit is the fortitude to strengthen our will and the grace to understand spiritual truths, to bear afflictions, to love others, and to detach from the vanity of worldly things. The novena has been so beautiful to pray each day along the way as well. And there's a fantastic book. It's been my right-hand buddy throughout this preparation of Pentecost. It's called True Devotion to the Holy Spirit by Luis Martinez. And he was the Archbishop of Mexico City. He was also a philosopher, a poet, theologian, spiritual director, and died, I think, in the 1950s. But he talks about the book is devotion to the Holy Spirit, true devotion to the Holy Spirit. And in the book he says, the Holy Spirit is the artist of souls, is not sanctity the supreme art. I love that, very poetic. You can hear the poet in him as you read the book. And so to the artist of souls, sanctification and possession are the same, for sanctification is the work of love and love is possession. So, and we hear that word possession, that's going to be key on the program today, and that is, of course, for the soul that has given the Holy Spirit free reign, and He will perfect that possession in the beauty of the natural order. But in disorder, There's position of a different kind, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What is going on with so much darkness in the world? Is it all connected? And pointing to the counterfeit, the adversary. So that's what we're going to explore and dig in on today. Joined by Therese Picola, she's a special guest who has graciously agreed to share her account of demonic possession, exorcism, and ultimate liberation. And the timing of this is perfect. I think it's significant as we anticipate Pentecost, the healing balm of our sin-sick soul, the paraclete, the advocate who comes to to fill us, the indwelling. And again, going back to Luis Martinez and his beautiful verbiage, he says, the loving conquistador of our souls, the Holy Spirit. And so as we get on, uh, I'm looking to see here if we've got Therese connected yet. You know that with the topic of possession and exorcism, that there's going to be spiritual warfare. So we were praying throughout the day today. But I want to play, uh, Jim, if you have this ready in the meantime, as we wait for Therese, this clip from an interview with Father Vince Lambert. So you may have seen this, it's gone kind of viral today. Father is talking about the rite of exorcism and what he has personally experienced. So I want you to hear what he has to say. This was featured on Tucker Carlson. And, and I do want to mention, a word of warning here, especially if there are children present, this, this is a bit graphic and difficult to hear, especially at first. But listen now, here is Father Vince Lambert, an exorcist, talking about his experience. Okay, Jim, I think we're ready.
1: As an exorcist, I hear horrific stories of people and their brokenness and things that they have done. So this lady told me that growing up in Mexico, so she's 50 years old, growing up in Mexico, her father began to rape her at the age of seven. And it continued over a five-year period. When she turned 12, her father turned his attention to her younger sister. She blamed God for allowing this to happen. So in her culture, she turned to curanderos, witch doctors and brujas and witches who told her that they could help put the pieces of her life back together. But it only broke her even more. She's crying, and she finally looks at me and says, Will you help me? And I looked at her, and I said, Well, Jesus is the one who's going to help you. And people might find this hard to believe, but as soon as I said that, the demon manifested in her. Her eyes turned green. Her pupils became slanted like a serpent, and this voice goes, Who's he? He has no power over us. We began praying. I blessed with uh, holy water, reminding again of baptism. As soon as this thing happened, there's the green eyes. There's the slanted pupils. And the demon looks at me and goes, You can't get rid of us. We've been here too long, and you're just not strong enough and then went through the right of the church. And it was the, uh, the insufflation prayer, the breathing on of the face of the person that cast the demon out. Because when I breathed on the face of the person, they were in the chair. The chair flew back about 10 feet and hit the wall. And then there was a scream, and the lady comes flying out of the chair. And then myself and the other priest pick her up, and she's glowing as bright as the sun. There's just a glow coming from her. And that's an indication that the demons had been cast out. Mm,
2: the demons have been cast out again that's father Vince Lambert he is an exorcist and in response to that clip I wanted to see I went to Therese Piccola's Twitter page and she had shared the video and this is what she wrote in response if people only knew what real possession is let's pray for conversion of hearts and she speaks this because she has lived up lived it and thanks be to God she is ready to go we've got her up and with us Terez joins us now welcome to Trending Therese thank
3: you you know spiritual warfare I'm I'm, we're used to this kind of electronic issue
2: (laughs) we talked about it we prepared well well on that note as we jump in let's start with the Saint Michael prayer together if we could in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen. So the National Catholic Register spent three months with you. Journalist Brie Dale, fantastic journalist, friend. She Mm -hmm. did an outstanding job of of documenting your story. And so the name of the piece I want to mention and also link in our show notes is Wife and Mother of Four Describes Experience of Possession Exorcism. And I wish that we had three months (laughs) to talk to you, but I know our time is limited. (laughs) And just for starters, I mean, Therese, when you you hear wife and mother of four. I don't think you are the average profile when someone pictures demonic possession. You were <laughs> functioning in your vocation, you were involved in parish life, you were active in the pro life movement. So, what was going on? Yeah,
3: it's it, even when you say that, it sounds almost surreal. Um, I, you know, the best way I can explain it, especially now reflecting back during um, those years, is that. I had created this other person um, from when I was really very young, actually, and it just, I think, grew over time. But this person who was going to be the perfect child, the perfect um, friend, the perfect uh, woman, spouse, mother, um, perfect Catholic wife, I'm going to homeschool my children, I'm going to do all these things. Um, But I, um, I was really just, acting this part out. And I hate to say that because it makes me sound like I'm completely insincere. And and there's a lot of sincerity in my life. um, But it was not, um, I wasn't this um, creation of God at this point. It was, you know, I'm always a creation of God, of course. But in my mind, I was just, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is what looks right. This is what um, feels safe. And so this is how I'm going to behave. Um, and, And completely detached myself from this other person who um was ugly and you know just someone i couldn't really deal with all the the problems that had happened with her i didn't want to be like her or be compared to her or did i want anyone to know who i really was
2: well right because you had some things you were hiding in your past which really kind mm-hmm. of takes us back to the root of this right as you grew up and some of the things right. that exposed you to the demonic
3: Absolutely. Um, and only knowing this years later, of course, but, and all these things, it, well, most of these things would not indicate um, a sign of, of someone becoming possessed. But when you kind of put them all into the same basket, um, I, w- I was sexually abused when I was very young and then and um, went through rape and um, then became very fascinated with the occult. And I think the occult was my way at that time of finding a way to disconnect from things that were hurtful and you know i was very young so it was like playful and fun and funny and but we were doing a lot of very um very scary things and and the the fact that we weren't more scared of them was is still concerning to me when i think back to it but um
2: so, so when you say that um, is it that is was it kind the ouija of, boards was it tarot cards all that right. sort of the the occult
3: well yeah That came a little bit later. Early on, we were friends and I, um, Catholic school friends, sadly, um, when we were young, we would, you know, try to hypnotize people. And then we did um, seances. And I don't even know where we came up with some of these things, except someone must have known something enough to be able to carry on this way. But some really scary things happened. And I remember even thinking back to that and like some sounds and some feelings in the room and stuff. And and we used to play this game in the mirror, which I won't repeat, but it's basically calling on something to appear in the mirror and, um, me seeing it. And, um, you know, then, then later on after I had, um, I, um, sadly had an abortion when I was a teenager as well. And that was probably, um, at that point, really the biggest gateway in that moment. Um, was, was that happening? Um, the abortion in itself, you know, someone who has an abortion isn't necessarily going to become possessed, but it's a lot of the things that come, um, along with it, you know, the behaviors that happen afterwards, the addictions and, and just the self loading and all that. Um, but that Mm. really my curiosity peaked with other things like the Ouija board then and, um, having my tarot cards read and, um, the Ouija board was after the Ouija board, I think, I'm not sure why that wasn't like a huge red flag, except for the fact that I was so disconnected from what should have been holy and true and and good that um, it just, I didn't even connect the dots as to why this was such a bad thing, but, but it moved, things started happening in my house. um, Things started happening to me and I just kind of blew it off. I just, which I think is the, the, the evil one's way of like kind of trying to get us to, Um, make it insignificant, you know, because the longer he can kind of fester and, and percolate in there without us knowing about it, the more he can dig in.
2: And that's also kind of certainly the the secular humanist culture but New Age idea is that there is no sin, certainly there's no devil, and just to kind of laugh it off, to be dismissive and to think, well, everyone played Mm -hmm. with the Ouija board or everyone did these certain things. But what you're establishing is a chain that was connected Mm -hmm. from early abuse and then to being sexually active at a young age, abortion, and all of these things that were swirling around that caused temptation, that caused kind Kind of these open portals and so right. then then as you mentioned you kind of re-establish your life as an adult and you play this part but i know as far as you you talked a little bit about seeing things move around like a preternatural phenomena mm-hmm. that it first manifested not towards you but actually your children yes
3: in particular and and there's no you know there's never irony in life um when I had my tarot cards read, I was actually pregnant and Mm. it just so happens that the child um, who had some issues early on um, dealing with some of this stuff was that same child. Um, It really started around maybe five years old or so. and, And he was having just these horrible, horrible nightmares. And of course in my brain trying to live in my fantasy world, I'm like, Oh, it's, You know, we're trying to be holy and we're just getting attacked because we're a holy family and, you know, just not really addressing it in the proper way initially. Um, But the language and the descriptions of what he was telling me and the absolute fear that he had in coming to my room, practically um, not being able to breathe, um, started to make my husband and I think something's not right here. I mean, he was describing things that unless he would have seen them, I don't know how he would have known to describe it that way. Um, And again, because he was young and we were very much on top of, um, we were homeschooling at the time and I I was seeing everything he was doing. So it wasn't like he was like sneaking, watching a movie or something. But um, so that was a flag. And finally we had the house blessed and actually for some time it, it kind of subdued.
2: But then what was happening with you? you? you Well, yeah, interiorly, because I remember, I remember through reading your story and also the the podcast that Mm -hmm. you've since started where you go into more detail where internally Mm -hmm. though, too, even as this is happening, you have your house blessed, you're you're going to mass, but there is this deep agitation in your spirit, this this interior desolation that I think would you say is more oppressive than depression? How would you describe that? What was happening to you inside?
3: Yeah. Well, I was getting, now over, to to back it up, even prior to this time, I had periodically had, um, I wouldn't call them dreams. They were more like um, kind of uh, twilight-type situations that happened where um, I was being attacked. And um, one time I was was being suffocated, and and another time I actually felt um, something standing in my room. And this was around that same time. And, and, you know, I was dealing, you know, I had gone prior to this to a Rachel's Vineyard. I was doing stuff in the pro-life movement. And then all of a sudden, I stopped. I just stopped. I just was like, I'm done. I think I've done enough. I'm healed. I'm good, whatever. And I think I started to um, internalize this something just didn't feel right, but I didn't know what it was, if that makes sense. Like it was like, there was just, just heaviness um, that just kept building and building. I mean, my husband and I, we were arguing all the time and there was just all this like, you know, drinking and partying and and just complete disconnect from, from really goodness. Um, Yet I was still acting like everything was fine. So I was really, and then, but that really started to um, come to a head when this all came back years later, when he was a teenager and he started getting attacked in his sleep again. And then this time it was much more severe. It was more graphic. He was hearing things, um, sounds of things. Um, I don't want to go into details, but um, just things that you wouldn't normally hear. Um, And it got to the point where we went to the priest and said, what should we do? And um, he, then he had, Said, you know, I think it's you should probably go talk to the exorcist <clears throat> just to make sure everything's okay. And I that really started to kind of escalate interiorly for me as soon as I knew that we were going to start a process for him. It's like something in me was like, uh uh-uh. uh, like I, you know, something's not good here. Like there was just like, oh, I was getting sick, I was nauseated all the time. I um just a, a really kind of unwell feeling and the whole time I kept saying, I'm sure it's because I'm just upset. I'm upset that, you know, this is happening and, and I'm his mother, so I'm yeah, you know, of course it makes sense that I would I would, you know, feel some of this on me. Um <laughs> until mm-hmm. until we got until we got there. Um and when we got there, um for his first time to be prayed over, they just uh the priest just wanted to talk to him have him go to confession and and have deliverance prayers. And in my mind, well, in all of our minds, we thought he's just, we're just going to pray and everything's fine. And, um, weren't expecting anything to happen or any kind of manifestation or anything. So when the chair started to move a little bit and he started to act like cough and we all just kind of stood there in disbelief because it was my husband, my, my, one of my daughters and I, and, was not what we were expecting. But as that was happening, I something just turned on inside of me and I was like uncontrollable. I was like sobbing. I was just all this like tension started happening. So um, we went through that a couple of times with him.
2: I want to pause. I want to pause there because this is a key turning point and we have to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between harassment, demonic attachment, obsession, and then possession and what you experienced, as well as the power of the saints in your spiritual battle and your exorcism. Therese Picola is a wife and mother who experienced demonic possession and liberation through exorcism by the grace of God. She's sharing her story with us. one 914 9149 is the studio line. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Today, you're listening to Trending on Relevant Radio. Stay with us.
1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: For a period of three months, the National Catholic Register journalist Brie Dale interviewed Therese Picola on her experience with the demonic and then ultimate liberation she had underwent an exorcism after demonic possession and the article is entitled wife and mother of four describes experience of possession exorcism her harrowing experience and liberation through the solemn rite of exorcism is a cautionary tale that ends with great hope and just a snippet of that article that we were beginning to hear from therese she said it says here the her world was turned upside down when extraordinary diabolical phenomena began to manifest themselves as attacks not directly on her, but initially on her children. Her plight ended only after an excruciating year and a half long battle under the guidance of a clinical psychologist, an expert in possession cases, and through the solemn rite of exorcism. And Therese, when we went to the break, you were you were sharing a little bit about this first feeling going to a priest and your son is experiencing some reactions, but you as well. And so I want to just go over some quick terminology and then have you take it from there. So there is demonic harassment or attachment. So that is at a level where there's depression, there's something going on. And again, I'm not attributing all depression to the demonic, but just a characterization of some things that might manifest so that's still life is functional going to work living life but maybe with some difficulty and then there is obsession So that psychotic experience is happening, hearing voices, seeing demons, maybe going through periods of disassociation to one degree or another, and then comes possession. And that is when a demon has taken full control. Although I was reading today from an exorcist, it's not just one demon. There is a group and then there's usually a leader and that person is no longer functional. So of those, what did you experience the whole spectrum or or what was your experience?
3: Well, I was, um, my final diagnosis, I guess you recall, I'm not even sure, um, was that I was, I was possessed and I did have to have the solemn rite of, of, um, exorcism. Um, my son, on the other hand, was more of an an oppression, um, just from some things like, you know, this happens with sin. As soon as you allow sin into your life and then you don't, um, and you're not going to the sacraments, you're not receiving, um, going to confession, receiving, um, the graces of confession, um, this can, this can happen. We can allow those things to to enter. But um, you know, the thing about confession is that it is a sacrament. So it's much more powerful in that sense. Um, Exorcism is a sacramental. So people don't realize that a lot of this kind of cleans itself up um, with a really good um, confession. So I, you know, so that people don't get too like wrapped up in the, Oh my goodness, like I've had this or this happened to me okay a lot of us have had you know terrible things in our lives but get yourself into the confessional make a good general confession if you need to um, and a lot of that's going to be uh, wiped clean and then you just have to start living you know that um, a good holy life you know grow in virtue and holiness and that's that's how you keep it from happening but yes I was um, I certainly um, was was interiorly manifesting some things. And then, um, as we got to the end of, of his, um, situation, I was actually at a, uh, a mass, um, a healing mass and, uh, it started during the healing mass. And, and at the very end of the mass, I felt, um, the Holy spirit just very like almost like a whisper on my heart, just say it's you. And, I was kind of like, you know, come again? <laughs> um, and and then again it, it's it's you and uh and I knew in that moment it's like, you know, people talk about those defining moments in life. This was a certainly a defining moment for me. I knew in my heart something just told me if I do not speak now I'm this is not going to happen. I I am not going to um I am not going to be in the right direction. So, um I turned at the end of math the psychotherapist was there and I said I think it's me and she said What? (laughs) And I said, I I think this is me. I think it's about me. And um, so that just kind of started the process at that point of, and it's a process. I will say, it's 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 not like you know say, oh, I need an exorcism. Okay, come on in, (laughs) let's get started. Um, no, it's deliverance prayers and confession and. Uh, psychological, uh, very long psychological um, evaluation, uh, medical. My my psychotherapist is also a nurse, so that really helped um, because there's a lot of things. All these unexplained illnesses that I was having um, for many, many years is all kind of starting to come together, what this is all stemming from. Um, everything from stomach distress to um migraines to stroke symptoms, um, all unexplained, never except the stomach. The stomach stuff there was some issues there regardless. But um a lot of these things I never had a clear diagnosis. I was just living with all these things without any kind of diagnosis.
2: And you said that those those physical problems can be a component, the the gut issue and mm-hmm. just without mm-hmm. even realizing it. Yes. And I think too it's um, actually
3: important. go ahead. No, I was just going to say for the gut, the gut generally stores kind of like uh, sexual, um, sexual uh, abuses and sins and things like that. It manifests in the gut. So a lot of people, women in particular, who have a lot of these gut issues, sometimes there's something else going on in there that's more emotional, spiritual, um, something from that nature.
2: And you mentioned your psychotherapist i think that's so important just the mental health aspect we know that exorcists work with with board certified professionals medical doctors s- psychiatrists mm-hmm. scientists mental health experts and so they can say okay i know for example what schizophrenia looks like and this isn't it and so an exorcism mm-hmm. only happens really after and we you know those that are kind of observant and in, in know in terms of how this works that this is a last resort almost it isn't the first stop when you're talking about an exorcist but I think one of the things I've heard that's challenging is there's a percentage of physicians who are either you know agnostic or atheist in nature and so the the, not in nature but just for them the nature of evil is just almost dismissed in some cases so that can be difficult Mm -hmm. where they they won't even um, look at that but for you you did it sounds like have a full team Oh, I was,
3: I was so blessed. I mean, God was so good to me because I had an excellent exorcist. Um, she, uh, she, um, my psychotherapist who was working with my exorcist um, was with him for a while. So they already had like a really tight team formed of um, prayer warriors that were in there. And, you know, these people don't understand like <laughs> there there's, there's a lot involved to this, and there's people who would sit in the sessions and pray the psalms, and they were kind of off in their own section, um, kind of disconnected from what was happening on the other side of the room with me, but continuously praying throughout just um, it, it, and they're going to um, sometimes daily but usually like weekly confession because you know you can 't walk into um, an exorcism as someone who's uh, like a, on the prayer team and have sin attached to you because, because the demons are going to know and they're going to use it against you in that situation. So, um, so coming in just with that pure purity of heart, prayerful every night praying, um, you know, just beautiful, beautiful people. I, I, I couldn't, there's nothing I can do to thank them enough except for just pray for them. But um, I, I was very, very blessed. Yes
2: but it's interesting you know when you think of the spiritual battle and we are all soldiers of christ and we all have our you know what the army would say is there an mos or our specialty and we're just so grateful for Mm -hmm. the intercessors and in the gift of okay i know i need to be in a state of grace i know what needs to happen here and for you it worked yes it did take a while i think was it 18 months but and when you were talking about Mm -hmm. the physical aspect one of the components i heard you share was that you were coughing all the time and that can be actually a sign of deliverance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: So I would, well, first of all, the, probably the worst symptom I had from the very beginning is I pretty much was hoarse for like 18 months. My voice was in and out, in and out all the time. I would get um, choked a lot when I would pray. So when I said get choked, it's, it's not, there's not actually someone there choking me, but interiorly, like someone, it was like there was pressure on my throat I would choke and then I would cough, um, coughing, sneezing, crying, vomit. Those are ways to expel, um, demons. So, um, yeah. So there's a lot, it's, it's not, it's not like you see in the movies, but it's not, it's not, it's not too far off in the sense that there's a lot of, uh, bodily fluids and things like that that just happen just through the process. Um, the yeah the the choking and the coughing were were definitely um, difficult. Um, another thing that I dealt a lot with um was just um, terrible trembling and shaking, especially during mass um, when I would go to mass i you know my husband would try to hold my hands down, hold my knees down because I would just tremble and shake and tremble and it, and it, it was disturbing, especially if the kids were with us um, you know receiving the Eucharist was uh, Praise God, I, I never had a time where I couldn't receive it. It just was very, very difficult. I would have to swallow and swallow and, and like, push it down and push it down um, because it would just kind of sit there, like, uh, waiting to come back out. Um, so anything, you know, look, the demons, they, they just want to harass you. They want to break you down. They want you to give up. Um, and thankfully, I'm like a feisty little you know, I feel like I'm a little, one of those little Italian kids from the street. You know, (laughs) I just like, I just was like, I'm I'm not giving up. I'm not, I just knew, I I knew, um, I had two choices and one was going to be a good choice and one wasn't. So, uh, I had two choices and I, so I just, on the hardest days and there were definitely hard days, I just had to tell myself, no, what's the alternative. I can't, I can't give up because I don't want the alternative. And I was very close. I was very close. I mean, my foot, I was, you know, my toes were dangling. I, I, you know, I hate to look at it that way, but really they were like skimming the top of hell is how I like to picture it in my head. And, and it was dangerously close. And um, so when I hear people talk about it dismissively, it's very, very upsetting.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking as you painted that visual, the image of, of Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel and there's that, um, you know, the demons are kind of trying to pull at the feet down of those and the angels mm-hmm. are pulling up and just this this mm-hmm. fight for you and and you had mentioned referenced Hollywood and about a decade ago there was a book that was later adapted to film called The Right and I had a chance to interview the author, uh, Matt Baglio and he he's a freelance secular journalist. He did grow up Catholic mm-hmm. but that wasn't where he wrote the book that wasn't the angle he was coming from for believers but for unbelievers as well and so he followed an exorcist father gary thomas while in rome on many exorcisms and he recounts that in the book but right in the opening pages he takes us into one of these scenes in which the demons are being terrorized by a few key figures and he mentions saint Teresa of calcutta saint john paul ii saint gemma galani so when you were talking about this whole process and how long it took, I know that part of the grace you received was this heavenly aid of the saints during the Litany of Saints. Can you share a little bit about that and how they came to your rescue in a sense?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, amazing. Thank, thank goodness. Because with all this, like, uh, all this filth and muck and disgustingness that's happening, there's like this, like, shimmer of light and. Um, you know, you can't, first of all, you can't do this fight. This is, I'm, I, I wasn't fighting. I was cooperating. I mean, Jesus was fighting. Je- Jesus is the one who fights the demons, you know? Um, so he, but he sends like the Holy helpers, you know, and first started with, um, our lady, like the blessed mother, uh, was one of the first to show up and, um, I, it was the Blessed Mother of St. Michael, St. Saint John Paul II, uh, St. Gemma, who I never, I, I really didn't know St. Gemma. I kind of heard of her. I didn't know much about her, but she was very persistent <laughs> And until I finally said, okay, like, let's be friends type of thing. And a um, funny, funny story with her is my son came home with her book, and I said, oh, you know, I've been wanting to read about her. I've, and so he said, well, why don't you read it first? And I was like, no, no. And he's like, no, no, Mom, read it. I think you're supposed to read it. And he was right. I read it. and I don't read, I don't read that often because my mind couldn't concentrate long enough. And, and I went through that, but it was like, we were, I just, we instantly connected and she stayed with me the entire time. She was there at every battle. She was constantly fighting. Um, they, they hate her. Um, the demons just hate her so much. And Padre Pio, um, who is my spiritual father, which is, that's a funny story, but, um, because i wanted him to be my spiritual father but i was afraid god was going to be offended (laughs) so
0: i didn't know how to approach it
3: (laughs) because you know i'm so naive to these things i had no idea so i remember praying and saying god is this okay can i ask him i don't want to insult you and um and then he confirmed it by letting i have a relic of padre Pio, and um and it smelled like roses after that. And so I, I knew then that he had confirmed it and said it would be oh, wow. okay. So, um, well, so that again, was like, really a blessing too.
2: And, you know, Therese, as we're approaching Pentecost, all of this is tying in because you were talking about how you were barely hanging on. And so we pray for the gift and the grace of fortitude and wisdom and counsel. And so you're receiving these graces along the way. But I know for you, and you said this in the article, you had to cooperate. That was a big component. Liberation happens when there's a mm-hmm. willingness to change. Change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I think that's the hardest thing, and it, and it's it's a challenge for all of us. Look, listen, even after liberation, we live in the world. You know, it, it's difficult. Sin is there. But you, if 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 someone goes in and says, "Okay, I, I want this. I, I get these things out of me," but they don't want to put the work in to do it, or they actually are kind of comfortable with the life that they have, it's like. The priest is just, it's like they're just words. They don't mean anything because, because that person has to be able to, to reject evil, to not live in sin, to get rid of all of these attachments, um, you know, to be contrary really to what the world is. And if you're not willing to do that, you're just, it's just going to be week after week after week after week of, of the same, you know, thing happening. You know, someone asked me once you know, why did it take so long? And I remember when it was taking so long, I had asked the priest, why is this taking so long? And he said, would, would you have the same, um, would you reap the same um, benefits or, or rewards of things? If it, if if God just took it away in, in one shot, he said, look at how much you've grown. You had, to, it's like, you had to spiritually mature. You had to, you know, learn who you were. And, and like, so it took time. I would not have received all the graces or have, Gotten rid of as many things as I needed to get rid of. Um, if it would been a one and done type of thing, now God can do anything, of course. But but He had a different plan for me. Um, but yeah, you have to be a willing a willing participant in it. You have to say the prayers. You have to change your life. You have to get rid of friends that aren't good for you. You have to stop watching, you know, images, TV, whatever it is like that is that is sinful or hurtful to your soul. You. You know, um, making better choices, living, living, again, contrary to what the world is offering, because basically the world does not offer us God, like the world offers, offers us everything but God. And so we are fighting against society day in and day out to, to be good, holy Christian, you know, men and women, and that's difficult.
2: It is. And just thinking about all the things going on, as you're mentioning, the rise in mental health issues, the the mass shooting, the gender dysphoria, all that we're experiencing, just the ailments of a sick society and to what degree we can assign responsibility to the demonic I want to ask you that when we come back let's pause and take a quick break you're listening to Trending on Relevant Radio my name is Brooke Taylor filling in for Timory, joined by Therese Piccola talking about the experience of demonic oppression possession exorcism and what are the other question I wanted to ask some of the most important tools in our spiritual battle we'll get Therese's input on that when we come back one 9149 is the number to call stay with us
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: Hello, it is Brooke Taylor in for Timmery. You are listening to Trending. I'm just looking here at the countdown, less than 48 hours for you to order Father Rocky's new free book, The Memorare Moment. We know, and as we've been hearing and just are reminded of through this past hour our world desperately needs Our Lady's help right now this is an opportunity here at Relevant Radio to get the book The Memorare Moment and just visit RelevantRadio.com slash moment again it's a complimentary book about prayer why praying the Memorare right now can change history in solidarity this is a powerful book and again the copies are going fast and the time is running out so visit RelevantRadio.com dot com slash moment to get your free book today. Ther- Therese Picola is a wife and mother who experienced dem- demonic possession and liberation through exorcism. She has been gracious enough to share her story and spend this hour with us. And the number to call is one 914 9149 That's the studio line if you have a question for Therese. And as we left off, we were talking about listening to your story and kind of connecting the dots. All of the ways that the evil one enters through the senses through the darkness of our world and we're seeing then this story play out particularly the last two years although it's been from the beginning of time but just the rise in mental health issues this impending darkness mass shootings divorces all of the ailments of the sick society and therese that's what i wanted to ask you about how much of that is demonic? And I know that's a very big question. And we can go back to, I mean, look at this month alone. It's pride. And that was the chief sin that entered the world. And how do we reverse course? Mm.
3: That, that's a loaded question. And I would say that I, I don't know. I, I like to be <laughs> optimistic and say that there is definitely the influence of the demonic in our world. And I think there is an uptick in, um, Possessions. Um, I saw that just even during the time that um, I was going. Um, I would also say that um, I think we have to use that as like we cancel that out as like the last thing. So if we're, you know, if, if, if we're living good, holy, virtuous lives you know, we can't just be a good Catholic, quote unquote. It's a relationship that requires, uh, it has to be nurtured. You know, there has to be love. You have to be humble and charitable, even when we don't want to be charitable. Look, we're being challenged even this month, right? Um, We're being challenged um, in um, in our beliefs and what our faith tells us. And it's easy to kind of waver and be like, Oh, I'm just not going to say anything. Or, I'm not going to get involved or I'm just going to sit on the fence, you know? And, um, I think God is challenging us for more. He, he does want soldiers for Christ. He wants us to be courageous. Sometimes we have to be, you know, learn to, to know when to speak and not to speak. But I think there's a lot of things we could be doing differently to, um, change ourselves and, and how we function in society. Before we start blaming everything on you know the devil, like you know it's like, <laughs> so I think um, we're really lost in the way. I mean, when you think about the percentage of people who are going to mass regularly, I think I, I heard the statistic was I don't know like twenty three percent or something like that. Um, that's insane. Um, you know where are all yeah. the Catholics? Is like say, um, you know, no more excuses. Um, you know, we want to be in heaven. I mean, if our goal is heaven. That means we have to start it here. We can't just like do whatever we want here and then expect that we're just going to God's going to be like, okay, never mind. I forgive you anyways. Come on up. You know. Um, I mean, it's we have to um, live those holy, virtuous lives. It's hard. It's rejecting a lot of things that we want in our lives. And and I think if we do that first. Then we start digging then we kind of weed out some of some of the problems and dig into like the deeper problems that are going on
2: uh, i 'm looking at the time, and we have a phone call i want to take I, I think we have a, a time we have okay. a few calls coming in here and and I want to also make sure i don 't forget I want to get to some of the tools the weapons in your spiritual arsenal we know that we have the, the obviously the sacraments the sacramentals the devotions but maybe some of your favorite right now though we have a phone call from ante from san mateo california are you with us ante yes hi hi welcome to the show you have a question me? i sure can
0: yes yes i have a son ante junior also he's 33 now but he was in a seminary about 10 years ago And he had a similar thing, had heard voices and uh, some dark objects or figures trying to suffocate him when he was studying in his room. And then he was going through all that Mm -hmm. hearing voices to jump off the balcony to do, and most people thought he was crazy. And he's still struggling. He's Mm -hmm. down to a hundred pounds, he just weighed like 180. And so we took him to a few priests um, and he's been running away from different things. Even when he takes a Eucharist, he starts to shake and tremble and uh, now he's going into the forest, into the wilderness, trying to find God there, you know. And I'm just wondering what mm-hmm. kind of advice you can offer me.
3: Uh, has he spoken to anyone who's, um, who works in the with healing and deliverance or an exorcist priest? Has he have any exposure to that yet?
0: And, uh, okay. I spoke to another priest that worked with Father Amort in Croatia, and he said the priest has to be laying hands on him every week, and not just once in a while, so... We're trying to find somebody, and it's very difficult.
2: Could you repeat right. that, Ante, not, a little bit? A... I'm sorry. So you yeah. have taken him to a few priests?
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm.
3: Is, is he—the um, other thing I would say is that he has to be willing to want to um, to overcome it, and is he willing to overcome it, or is it kind of—is he running away from some of it?
0: um yeah he he does more running away flight, runs away from it, doesn't mm-hmm. want to deal with it, yeah, he mm-hmm. thinks if he runs in the forest or the wilderness he's going to be healed there mm-hmm.
3: yeah, I would say, as his dad um you know until he's ready, he has to be ready um and until that, I would say you don't necessarily have authority over him in this, that he's an a a grown adult, but you do still, as his father have the like a, a the ability to pray for him. Um and I would really suggest praying deliverance prayers for 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 your family, you know, for him and for your family. Not over him, you don't have to have him even there, but to start praying um deliverance prayers regularly as his dad and hopes that that's going to bring him to some conversion in his heart to to want to actually you know run towards um being healed instead of, of away from it.
0: Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: God bless you, auntie, and sure. we will God bless you. We're going to tuck Ante Jr. in the rosary coming up uh, in just about six minutes and just remember him in our prayer and lift mm-hmm. up all of those who are, are struggling. And I wanted to ask you, because you touched on that a little bit earlier, Therese, that when you were pregnant with your son, who ended up being the primary target, it seems, for some de- de- you know, preternatural activity and demonic activity, mm-hmm. that you had, your, your I think you said your tarot cards read, how much can be generationally passed down? Oh,
3: goodness. Generational sins are a a big part. I think that's what a lot of people end up suffering through um, with just oppressions and things that happen. Um, uh, Freemasonry is a big one, Um, you know, that happens many generations back. In fact, one of the things that I dealt with um, during my sessions came from... uh, it was like, I think the 15th or 16th century or something, right? Remember, um, many generations back, and it had to do, um, that connected with, um, the abortion and things. Uh, it's too long the story, but, um, so, so generational sins do have a large impact on our lives and we can pray against them. There's actually prayers that can be said to break those ties. Um, and I would recommend, really, I, there's no reason why anyone can't do that. Um, anyone, can, anyone can pray those prayers. Um, and I would suggest it, especially if you know there's been something in the past in the family that would have um, been, um, especially like I said, Freemasonry, a cult, um, um, if there was a, a murder or just a, anything that would have been attached to the family that could have affected you going forward.
2: Well, I think it's interesting, too, you know, we talk about spiritual warfare. We look at Ephesians 6.12, which is that kind of chief scripture for citing the sacred battle. And then, you know, when you look beyond, you look at the month of June right now that was established along with, at least here in the West, by the secular humanist pride month, but with Catholics, we long have dedicated this month to the Sacred Heart, and our Lord revealed mm-hmm. to Saint Mary, uh, Margaret Mary of Alacoque, his desire to establish this devotion. For there were a few reasons, but one of which was to correct the spirit of pride found in Jansenism. Mm-hmm. So there are always answers that our Lord has ready made if we seek the Holy Spirit, and I know that has been a big mm-hmm. part of your own liberation from devotions to penance reconciliation confession is a big one i know and any obviously the rosary as well any others that you can mention mm-hmm. here as we just have a few minutes left
3: i i one thing that was very significant for me um during the time i was i was still going through exorcism and still to this day there is a it's the novena of surrender um it's father delindo um and it's very impactful for many of us because a lot of times we're attached to things um, like control or um, it could be abandonment, um, unforgiveness or whatever. Um, and a lot of that is covered in that surrender, um, that novena of surrender. It's basically like giving it all to Jesus and saying, you take care of it. Um, and, um, and and a priest actually told me to say it just perpetually to just, you know, start over and start over and start over. And um, I, it, so I think that uh, something like that, something I think people should seek whatever um, connects with them personally. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I have a devotion to um, the divine mercy. So I pray the divine mercy chaplet. I pray the rosary. I, um, I, <laughs> I do a lot of mental prayer. I, I have a like conversation. I think this is one thing people forget is just talking to the Lord, you know, like really just disconnecting from other things, just even if it's for 10, 15 minutes and just having conversations, you know, um, really digging deep into that relationship and hearing what he wants. Um, for you in your life and giving him all those things that you're struggling with or that you're happy with or whatever the case may be, but really being um, very um, deliberate about it, not just kind of like, I mean, you could talk to God all day long, but just making that time as you would, like if you were going to go out on a date with your spouse or, or give time to someone, you do the same thing with Jesus, like, and, and, um, and he will return that and, you know, abundantly.
2: Yes, he will in, in the, the Cana, you know, when when we think about the mystery at Cana and the multiplication of the loaves, so many examples in, in Scripture. So you. your podcast, I know, that you've started is Her Mighty Surrender. We will also link up the the article from the National Catholic Register. And thank you again for sharing your story and for joining us today. Therese Piccola, God bless you. Thank you, Brooke. God bless you. Thank you. and just in a few minutes here. Coming up next is the Rosary Coast to Coast. God bless you. Don't forget to order Father Rocky's new free book, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. God bless you.